this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast, it is the season finale of the Gilded Age Season 2. If you haven't watched any of the season up to this point, don't listen. This is all about the finale. Let's go. And it's the end of the road for the Gilded Age Season 2. What is going on, Corey? Not too much, Dave. I think really... I mean, it's just, it's just the Gilded Age. I, I spent all weekend actually looking forward to this finale, which was maybe a statement on how much I had going on this weekend. But I was actually really eager yesterday to to watch the, the finale. Well, you were. It's not like you had nothing going on. You went to a concert last week. You went. Yeah. Had a party. I went to a couple. It's parties. not like you sat around at the TV. <laughs> yeah, just waiting for nine o'clock or whatever time it starts. I just sat around in the TV with it turned off, just waiting to turn it on for for the finale. Uh, yeah, though that's true. I, I was out and about. How about you, Dave? How are things with you? Holiday season is in full effect. Mm-hmm. No, no parties for me, but uh, party for one. Yeah, yeah. Well, hanging out, you know. Okay. <laughs> uh, I trying to avoid all this 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 uh, new wave of sickness going around. Yeah, I got like a working in a school the week before Christmas is no fun. Yeah, that's that's a dicey time if you want to go home and see your family. I have like a, sw- a slight catch in my throat, but I think I'm fine. It was one of those things where the other day we had a holiday party and there's half a beer left on the table, and they're like, "Well, someone's got to finish this," and it's like, "All right, all right, give it here. Let's do it." <laughs> all right. And here I am, not not dead yet. So okay. <laughs> well, do we have any news and in? Our shows. I know there's a minor piece of news well, about. I mean, the yeah. You start us off. The crown is wrapped up. People are, are talking about it, uh, but we'll talk about that at a later date because trying to avoid spoilers and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But Wonka came out. The queen dies. The queen. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if the crown covers that much. <laughs> um, but Wonka came out, and you and I have gone back and forth on seeing it or not, and. What I've heard thus far is there is a lot of Abacus Crunch, a.k.a. Yeah. Carson from Downton Abbey, Jim Carter, as he is known in real life. So I think this merits that we have to see Wonka because of our gratitude and servitude towards Jim Carter, a.k.a. Carson from Downton Abbey, a.k.a. Abacus Crunch and Wonka. And we also do, I think, for newer listeners of the show... They don't realize that Paddington is a pretty formative piece of uh, reference for for us, the the film. We really wanted Paddington on the podcast because of his connection to uh, Sir Robert Crawley. Hugh Bonneville. Hugh Bonneville. (laughs) (laughs) So Paul King, same director. Yep. So it's kind of a one-two punch for us to sort of pat ourselves on the back for a backwards reference and, and, and love Mr. Carson. So, I mean... It looks dumb. I'm not going to say that it doesn't look stupid, but I could be, you know. The thing I've been also hearing, aside from people raving that there's more Jim Carter than expected, is that it's a full musical. People seem to be shocked by that. And I guess, well, I mean, the the advertising has pretty much uh, hidden that the movie has a lot of songs in it. So Uh brace for for a musical, Dave, because people were not prepared. But I'm I'm okay with that. I'm I like a musical every yeah, once in a while. Yeah, I want to hear Chalamet sing. Let's do it. I don't know if I need to hear him sing, but I'm happy to hear a musical. That's fine. All right. <laughs> well, 
And our news, I think we should just get this out of the way now. Mm-hmm. We got a couple fan emails this week. Oh, okay. Um, one from from Tina, new friend, who told us that all of our riffing about the six-week timeline was incorrect. Oh, okay. And basing it upon the fact that the plaque shown in the proposal scene says August. Now, I responded to Tina as as we... Do you know? I acknowledge that we we missed that detail mm-hmm. as we missed details in the show, and I also just acknowledge the fact that as we did with the crown and Downton Abbey jumping across timelines, these shows are absurd, and sometimes we just like to lean into the fact that it might be more absurd. <laughs> so if you've made it this far listening to us, and you really are a stickler for timelines, I apologize. And I think Tina understood that we are riffing as well. But and I'll put this forward too. What if they got the plaque wrong? What if they put the wrong date on the plaque? Wow. <laughs> I mean... You hear that? <laughs> Tina's coming for know. us. <laughs> uh, there's entirely a chance that they just had... The, they did it wrong and Dashiell had to say, we got to return to sender. <laughs> okay. It is the month of May. <laughs> yeah. This is not my, my engagement date. <laughs> Everything we've talked about in the show has covered the course of several weeks, but you know, hey, whatever. You know, August it may be. Who knows? So we acknowledge that we are incorrect while also acknowledging that we might not be. Don't mind <laughs> that we care about yeah. that kind of thing. And uh, on the other side of the coin, we got a, a new listener, Leslie, mm-hmm. sent us an email basically. Giving us some recommendations for some things to do after we're done with our coverage. And I responded to that one and said, we have a lot on the docket, but thanks for the recommendations. And she pointed out something about um, some Anglophile information about purple dresses as a soft morning or a second phase of morning. Hmm. And we love hearing that kind of stuff. And I pointed out to her that, you know, when we went to the Downton Abbey exhibition six years ago... Or seven years ago. Yeah, six. six however many six. years ago. Um, it's all costumes. And, and as much as we love these shows, I think some of the costuming stuff kind of goes like whoosh, over our heads because we don't focus on it. So I would like, again, acknowledge to the fans costumes. Well, I mean, if we need to, we should probably focus on the fashion a little more. Yeah. I mean, and this is a good week to do it. There's a lot of purple on Gladys in this episode. <laughs> so. I don't think she's soft morning anything. No. Yeah. She, she doesn't realize that's more it's more of a for her. Bright purple. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. Yeah. Well, where do we want to start with? So, yeah. Th- thank you to those fans that emailed us and to anyone who has any uh, fist-shaking moments or, you know, you're holding your steering wheel, yelling at your car stereo that we're wrong. Tell us we're wrong. We yeah. don't mind. We can take it. <laughs> but, yes, let's jump into... In terms of winning and losing. Mm-hmm. The season finale. The final episode. Of the season. Where do we want to get this ball rolling? Well, why don't we talk about Watson? Uh, <laughs> get a, he, He's leaving. Yeah. He says, and it's so just on the nose. I will miss you. All of you. And I've been happy to be here. And uh, they add, he won't be back. Like, he's like, maybe I'll come back. And yeah. uh, Church is like, no. Nah. You think he's gone for good, or do you think we see him again next I year? I feel like they made a purposeful <laughs> moment there to say he won't be back. To really say, like, nah, get him out of here. Yeah, I mean, I guess you think about... This show does 
We haven't seen Tom Rakes. Nope. We haven't seen uh, so, Miss Bane uh, either since she left. Um, I mean, these Broadway actors, they're, no they're busy. No sign of Mod Beaton yet. <laughs> we haven't seen Mod Beaton. These, these actors are busy. So it, I can't see a good reason for him to come back uh, at all. But I don't know. He still lives in the town. Yeah. Yeah. But do we want to? I mean, take care of Watson. Similarly, spe- <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for your con- contributions, but you you have nothing left for us to gain. So yeah. enjoy your life as an NPC. <laughs> Borden and Bruce, Dave. Why don't we do it? They go on the date. They go to the concert, and they get rained on. Yeah, so there, we know that there's going to be an opera opening, and of course it's going to be the one at the Met that they go to because that's the one that Bertha's endorsing, and she just happens to have two tickets that have been returned. And uh, mm-hmm. they, we also see that they just are coming in, coming from an opera at some point. Like they've been doing this yeah, as a thing. Yeah, that's, that's that date. I think that might, might have been the first date that we were... They saw Mendelssohn. The official date. And... Yeah, Bruce is overwhelmed. She's so excited to have this uh, gift to, to go to the opera. And, of course, she asks, can Borden get off? And she's like, well, yeah, the food will be cold, so that's that's fine if he leaves a little well, early. Bertha at first was like, Borden? That's hmm. your that's your, your, your the way you, you swing? Okay. All right. You know he's a serial liar. Yeah. Do you know anything about him? not actually Borden. Um, so... Yeah, they go there, and Borden has to remind her, like, don't be slack, Jod. These we gotta look like we belong here. Yeah, he's like, is this your first time? You acting like it's your first time in an opera house? Mm-hmm. And she's like, it is my first time in an opera house. And he's, so, he's like, remember this yeah. moment, and kisses her hand, and then I'm sure at the rate that they're moving by this time next year, we'll see them in bed together, going at it. Mm-hmm. That's the speed we're going at. Yeah, yeah, and she'll be telling him to use the the Borden Monsieur voice. <laughs> that, that's what she that that's really what pulled her into Borden in the first place. That French yeah, accent. that's what she's into. So you mm-hmm. know, we're not shaming anybody. She likes the French accent. That's fine. Yeah. Um, do we want to stay downstairs? But go to the. Was it? Will we hear that Miss Andre, the replacement for Adelheid, is going to stick around? Uh, yep, she's done so far. When they had the scene with her sitting at the table, I completely forgot that she was there. Right. <laughs> that she had been introduced. And, like, they really made such a point of, like, well, we'll see how she does if she performs. We don't see her at all, much at all since then, and we're just told she did a good job. Great. And then the implications for Adelheid doesn't... Yeah, there's Adelheid doesn't seem to, to be on the edge at all this week. No, she's just continuing to work for Gladys. And it's like, okay... Well, what was all that about? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm sure we'll find out. You don't just introduce a character and then have them have two like basically face sequences in two episodes. And I still and then I still don't trust write them into the distance, right? And I still don't trust Andre Miss Andre as being good because why they make such a point of hiring her and then I don't know say that there's risk and in, risk involved if there was no real risk at all to her uh, being there as of yet uh-huh. um, for next season. Fingers crossed, there is one. Yeah. <laughs> But I think we can talk about we can talk about Trotter. I know it's a little early, but <laughs> the, the the TikTok clock is a might as well just talk about it now. He's such a downer about all this. Every time he gets news, he doesn't want to tell anybody. Right. Well, because he needs like fifteen dollars or twenty dollars to make a bet. 
or not a bet. I'm well, sorry. When, make make, we'll when he's, make a patent. He gets the, gets the patent approved, and granted, they the Van Rines are broke, and they're mourning the loss of Ada's husband. Mm-hmm. But he gets this news, and and you know they're all kind of hanging around, finding out that they might lose their jobs, and then like, oh boy, what are we gonna do? This is terrible. We're all in such a bad place. And what's uh, what's his little friend in there? Armstrong. No, the young one, Bridget. Oh, Bridget. Yeah. She's like, well, he at first tells Bridget that his patent is approved, and then she's the one that tells the whole room, and the whole room is like, of course we're happy for you, Trotter. Except for Armstrong, she's like, the world is losing its senses. <laughs> like, come on, dude. Okay, negative Nancy. Thanks. Debbie Downer over there in the corner. Yeah, we'll talk about her after Trotter. <laughs> uh, but now he needs so, twenty dollars. And he's also like, I don't know what to do with this. It's like, uh-huh. do we already forget that you they made a whole point of you joining the society of like clockmakers? That they, they, they you can't get well, advice he, from them on what to do with this patent patent. No, well, he he take well Marion takes him across the street to talk to Larry, and Larry's like, oh my god, this is the imagine every bedroom with an alarm clock. <laughs> one can dream. Uh, and so he's just asking, like, can you help me out, figure out what to do with this as a business? And, and how daft are you, Trotter? Just ask your society of Horcruxes or whatever you call them. You know, like. <laughs> well, I don't. I, I think that he's. This is still a fairly new thing to him, and I think he just needs the entrepreneurial spirit. And I think. Just oh, this is just Julian Fellows trying asking, to find a way for to advice. Loop you know, and Larry, get out of here! It's lazy writing. <laughs> Well, we need a, you know, they need they should have done a, like a Trotter Shark Tank sequence oh my where he God. Like goes to all the rich people, and Ada's like, look, I get woken up by my people, they're always up, and for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> and then Larry can be like, I'm very curious, and I like Marion, I would like to invest, and they could do the handshake, do the Shark Shark Tank theme, mm-hmm. it'd be great. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny how last week we were theorizing, well, maybe it'll be the Van Ryans who profit off Jack Trotta. That, that, like Oscar or someone helps to put it forward and like, no, it's going to be the Russells capitalizing. They got the money. Well, and maybe there's a not a Van Ryan, but a uh, Brooke that benefits off of it as well. Could be. But at the end of the episode, Larry catches uh, Trotta to say, there's a lot of interest in your clock, buddy. We're going to go into business together. And Trotter's eyes bug out of his head. That seems to be his like one acting tick that he leans on a lot. This actor, <laughs> it's just like open those eyes wide, like humana humana, and uh, away we go with the Trotter. Play dumb. Yep. Well, good on Trotter. You know, definitely a positive outcome for Trotter. It, for a show that doesn't seem to hesitate with moving plot lines along, it still does stick in my craw a little bit. Like, why did we spend that much time on this? Like, it wasn't like the payoff was so satisfying in this finale where it's like, man, I'm so glad we invested every single episode a little bit of time in this. I was like, yeah, okay, good. This is where it went exactly where I thought it would go. Would this have played better if he doesn't have any sort of A or B plots ever and he's just sitting tinkering? And then at one point he's like, I'm done. Uh, and then he just kind of can't figure... Or does it play better with the at, at being kind of an interstitial storyline? I think this is the best way you could do this storyline because it is so low stakes. <laughs> uh, you know, the only way to raise the stakes is just to keep throwing stakes in the fire and keep it going. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess so. I, I think Trotter got his, his he, he was rewarded for his screen time and his name change. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. All right. We, and similarly, we've talked about Armstrong. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we did gloss over the fact that because of the loss of all the, the money due to Oscar last week, mm-hmm. there's a meeting where all the staff are told, you know, this might happen. Y'all might need to find new jobs. Yep. And Armstrong says that she is just too old. This is stuff she said earlier something. in the season already. Like she's convinced like she can't find a job because yeah, she no one wants to hire an older uh woman like her as help. And so it's like, yep, we clocked that. You mentioned that. And uh so yeah, everyone's just kind of making their arrangements to figure out what's next. And uh-huh. and it's Peggy who hears Armstrong talking about this and has sympathy for this woman who she shouldn't really otherwise care for and tells uh, Mm -hmm. Agnes like, Hey, Armstrong is really concerned about her position in the world. uh, If you're all to go under just an FYI, which leads Agnes to extend an olive branch to Armstrong saying, Hey, look, I don't know where we're going. Uh, It ain't going to be nice. It ain't going to be pretty, but I'd like to have you right there by my side. I don't understand this. I mean, I get the selflessness and, you know, if she's going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Agnes deserves the moment of of humanizing Armstrong. I think Peggy deserves that moment. Yeah, I mean, but you have an idea of how that would play out if Peggy was doing that directly to Armstrong. She'd just kind of huff and puff in front of her face and then walk out. It ain't going to be that way. It's going to be something where next season there's a payoff where she thanks Peggy for, you know, having her back at one point in time because she realizes she would have been out without it. Yeah, maybe she just starts to soften to Peggy on the whole. She becomes less racist. Yeah, she's just too cold of a person right now to ever do right by others. Uh, But I, I do understand Agnes showing loyalty to someone who's been loyal to her also for the most part over time uh so armstrong is sticking around <laughs> great well i mean everyone's sticking around it's, Spoiler a, it's alert. an odd thing where like you wonder what the contracts that these broadway actors have was it a thing where well she may have a show she may not next time we need her well let's just figure it out in the finale if we want to keep armstrong around or not because <laughs> it could have gone every either way and it wouldn't have been a surprise yeah, I mean, any of these people can be gone. You know, Downton got rid of O'Brien just mm-hmm. by having a shot of feet walking upstairs. Like, right. we don't need, we don't even need Armstrong present. Right, and, and we, yeah, that's true, Dave. A good point about Downton where literally he, he would just write off actors <laughs> and just kill them off immediately because he's like, well, I don't know what else to do with them. Bye-bye. Send you off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's not afraid to do, do that, Julian Fellows. But Yeah, yeah. Does that cover most of the downstairs? I mean, we could talk about the Peggy and everything that goes along with that. I think the Peggy is the last last remaining thing, and then upstairs is the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's talk Peggy. So those schools, uh, they're still at risk of uh, going under because the Board of Education doesn't want to improve, uh, you know, the budget for them. But the articles that have that they've been publishing um, at the Globe have helped to make people aware of these schools. It's led to a lot of pupils uh, ready to enroll so they can make a case to the Board of Education like, hey, 
you can't shut these schools down when there's a lot of students that are going to be in there, a lot of Irish. Yeah, when there's more students that want to go there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And so it's really ruffled some feathers. And so someone's talking to Mr. Scott at his uh, store saying like, hey, you know, Mm -hmm. people didn't like that article that went out there. But and I heard that they're even having a board of education meeting today about it. Yeah, and old Arthur's like, what? Mm-hmm. Today? I thought it was tomorrow. Yeah. No, no, no. It's today. So this man... Off the huff. He says, I got to go let everybody know. And luckily, everyone's just basically sitting around a table. Every every important character to this plot is sitting around one table mm-hmm. taking notes. And they're like, wait, what are you doing here? And they're like, well, what are you doing here? This is supposed to be tomorrow, and you move this up without notifying any of us? Get out of here. Mm-hmm. We got students who are ready to roll. <laughs> they want to go to school. Yeah. They're stammering. They're, they don't know what to do. And the guy who gave the heads up to uh, Arthur gives him a head nod in the room, like, you guys are doing the right thing here. Got to make a case. Well, this is a really powerful scene when... It- all the sort of grumpy white guys are like trying to clearly just trying to do this without the black people there. Mm-hmm. And is it is it Arthur who's just like, is this the hearing about the black public schools? And they're like, well, and he's like, tell me, is this that, you know, the repetition? And I think all the all the black characters really coming in with the, the information, considering they run out of their little office space mm-hmm. with this information this is a really well done scene yeah. from Julian, I think. Yeah, the, I mean, they make their case really effectively, and it's a good piece of writing uh, in this scene. And afterwards, we learn that two of the schools will survive. One, one will not, but hey, mm-hmm. that's enough. They can build from there. Yeah, and I mean, I think they try to they try to push push the needle just far enough where you're like. Is this guy going to say something racist? Is this guy going to say something racist? Is he? And then he just doesn't. But we find out they don't, you know, they don't get everything, but it's a huge victory. Mm-hmm. And we see more of an awkward tension between Fortune and Peggy. Yeah, I mean, the the romance between them is kind of curdled. It, it, she feels more uncomfortable around him than anything, especially even when he's con- congratulating her and he has a gleam in his eye when he's looking towards her. She's like, I got to get out of this room. A little, little too hot to handle. Uh, and, and he seems totally oblivious. Yeah, 100%, which is bizarre, considering he's the one who kissed her a few weeks ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Understanding that they were in a certain situation, but, man, you kissed her. <laughs> uh, and so... She arranges to uh, speak with him separately because he's like, we got to celebrate. And she's like, we got to talk. Yeah. And towards the end of this episode, she tells him, I won't be returned to the paper. Uh, I'm going to go work for another publication. And he's confused. He's like, come on, what's what's going on here? And she says, you're a little bit too fortunate. Okay. (laughs) I can't. I can't handle it. Uh, And he at first he's like, well, what's going on? Tell me. And she's like, oh, my God. Like. You just want to shake Fortune by the shoulders. Because there's also the scene that we kind of skipped over where Peggy and her mom are walking into this this boardroom and this woman walks by with a child and they, someone says, that's T. Thomas Fortune's wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. 
And Peggy's like, oh, really? And they're like, you surely know that considering you work with T. Thomas Fortune. Huh. And Peggy's like, no, I didn't. So I think in the fact that Peggy's mom has commented on the attraction being bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like this is not an advantageous thing for either one of them. Yeah. But T. Thomas Fortune, I think this is also a male-female power dynamic. Yeah. You see exactly why he's oblivious to the fact that she's she wants to leave because he has control. You know, like he's nothing in his life is threatened. And she's obliging him. But everything in hers is. So she's just going to work on a novel instead. Yeah, and he's like, and everyone needs to hear your voice. And you just want to be like, shut up, T. Thomas. You're real, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he just steps back through his portal back into actual reality right then. Um, yeah, all his ancestors are like, Thank can we? Can you tell the world that you didn't act like this, please? Yep. Um, but they have the comment of a bad timing shapes lives. Could have been another time. Mm-hmm. In a different reality. Could have been. Any other time. And while we're still on the Scots, we do get a moment with... Uh, the the parents where they're just beaming at each other and like we haven't seen each other look like this in a long time and it seems like Arthur Arthur is out of the doghouse finally after well he saved them he, he saved did. the day he did he did the right thing and the, that's the thing is like he has been very misguided in the judgments he's made obviously with putting her child up for adoption adoption goes somewhere else but it's because he worried about her, and he didn't want the you know her to have to deal with raising a child. It was too soon, and everything, and have to have to that around going on. But like the guy meant, means well for his family. He's just a screw up. Let him back in. Mm-hmm. He's got to learn. He's going to do better. Yeah, and he didn't. He didn't hurt anybody. You know, well, like he, he did hurt Bertha's. I mean, no, not Bertha, emo- Peggy's son. Like, yeah. Well, yeah, he <laughs> separated them. I, I think that he, he made a really difficult decision and his negligence is the problem and not telling them. It's not like, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll stop. <laughs> he he got his way out. Of, he earned his way out of the doghouse here. Yep. Absolutely. He, he's, he's back in the good graces and it's good to see them happy. And they did offer uh, Peggy, like, you can come live with us again. And she's like, nah, not not yet. <laughs> I'd rather stay with the house that's going under My for now. My adventure's not over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Good thing that the house isn't going under, because then she couldn't have made that declarative decision to Fortune to be like, I can't write for you anymore. Because then be like, Peggy, what are you doing? You don't have any job at all. Well, I think this was a good ending for Peggy. Because we need, you know, if and when season three comes out, Peggy needs a clean slate. We don't need these married men Mm -hmm. and parental drama and all this stuff hanging over her. Like, we just, justice for Peggy. We got to start fresh next season. Yeah. Do where, where do we want to talk about next? Uh, well, I mean, we can go. Uh, obviously, the opera is the big deal. Why don't we talk about Marion? We can talk about. Let's talk. Let's get Marion out of the way. And she does take up a lot of this episode, but it really is going the direction we've been foreshadowed uh, for weeks now. Uh, it, it got there in a different way, though. I gotta say. Okay. Uh, well, well Marion is what is it she's been asked to join uh, the Met opening uh, by Larry uh, a- yeah. Agnes doesn't approve she's like 
Miss Russell invited you just to spite me. He, he doesn't actually want to go with you. Get out of here, out with all this mm-hmm. Marion. Um, you're getting married. Uh, but what is it? There's a lot of conversations about go, whether she'll go on teaching. She she wants to, to do that. She's very much passionate about it. But Dashiell, early in this episode, reminds her, like, you don't have to worry about that when we get married. Well, I'm going to be taking care of you. You're going to have a life of entertainment and babies and no work at all. And Marion's like, okay. And this, I think this the whole episode kind of reminds us how hollow Dashiell has been this whole time. Mm-hmm. And Marion is just not feeling it. And yeah. Well, they keep invoking At one point in the episode, there, there's the moment where Dash and Ada and Agnes are having lunch together. Or, or they're all hanging around, congregated. And and the dude just calls her Harriet. Oh, yeah. He says, well, when Harriet and I get married. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Agnes, I think it's at, or Ada is like, well, Marion ha- has, you know, this, that, you know, like Marion corrects subtly. And I think that moment, Julian's lucky he's painted Marion as a nice person because, and and he's lucky that Agnes and Ada have been beaten down so much. Yeah. Because that's that's a big no-no. They, they really bring it into focus that this guy is still hung up on his uh, deceased wife uh, and is really mm-hmm. kind of just looking for a replacement mother for Francesca more than anything. Um, and because the thing is, as much as he may have fallen for Marion, he doesn't really know much about her. And that's the point she makes. It's like everything you talk about in terms of what would be ideal for me, that's ideal for Agnes, but not myself. I like to paint, even if it's poor. I like to teach, even if not good at it. <laughs> I just like to mm-hmm. do these things. Uh, and Ada says to Marion at one point, you just got to say, like, you know, it's okay if you don't love him. You just got to tell him. Just, you know, come for- mm-hmm. forward with it. And so he's going to come through to pick her up to take her to, to work because he's a nice guy. And it's there in the morning where she tells Dashiell, I ain't marrying you, dude. You proposed me in front of everyone. That's your that's your fault. You put the clown mask on. That's a you problem. That's not a me problem. <laughs> you need a baby mama? I ain't that baby mama. Do, do I remind you of Harriet? Is there anything that reminds you about Harriet? And he says, not really. You're, you're a woman. You're pretty. Francesca likes you. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's not Harriet. It's not Harriet at all. And he's like, what do you mean? You love my daughter, but you don't want to get married to me? It's like, bro. It don't work that way. That's enough. Yeah. That's enough. Imagine how many unhappy couples there'd be if they let children pick the uh, partner. I mean, I'm wondering how many... There are many unhappy couples that exist to benefit children, so... Don't listen to children. Good on Marion for not becoming one. Yeah, good, good on Marion. Um... And then Ada walks in as soon as Dasha leaves and basically repeats like bullet point for bullet point the things that Marion had just said to Dasha. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, oh, do you, you're not engaged anymore? Well, clearly it's because he's still in love with his wife and he just wants you to be the mother. Yeah. And he smells bad. <laughs> and Marion's like, didn't I? I said all of these things in this mm-hmm. order two minutes ago. So nice little moment from Ada. And Agnes is... And then we see Francis at school comes up yeah. to Marion and is like, how come you're not marrying my dad? And Marion's like, well, I love your dad, but I don't love him like a wife. And she goes, do you love me? And she's like, of course I love you. 
And she said, we still hanging out after school today? And she goes, of course we're hanging out after school today. She goes, it's all good in the hood then. Let's keep on, yeah. keep on keeping on. That's all I wanted in the first place. Things. I didn't know you could. Ha- we could have this without you marrying my dad. Why didn't you tell me this earlier? Love you, Marion. So we leave Dashiell. We leave Francis. And the door is wide open for our boy, Larry. <laughs> yeah. He's taking her to the Met. Sorry. Well... I think we're jumping ahead to Agnes's reaction to everything, actually. Uh, yeah, Agnes is actually pretty okay with it, all things considered. It's like she half expected it at this point with Marion. She just is that way. Uh, yeah. But she does does give the good advice of, this is your second strike, okay? You only get three at-bats with this uh, whole marriage game, okay? If you can't lock down someone, you're, you're done. You are wasted all your value. Yeah, which, I mean, kind of... She's no she's no dummy, but I think the show did skirt around the fact that Agnes was never privy to all of the information with uh, Rakes in season mm-hmm. one. But this more or less confirms, like she's like, whatever you do, I know I'm you're I'm the boss around here, not you. And it's maybe coming from a position of her being defeated at this point. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> They've lost everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the surprising reaction for Agnes there. Um. But you were saying, Dave, Larry is swooping in. They're going to the Met. Mm-hmm. And they have a good time. They're just hanging out, getting along. And yeah, curious question, though, because the the whole opera, it starts in the evening. It looks like they're returning the next morning. <laughs> uh, well, every time there's a party, they return the next morning. Yeah. Why aren't we seeing these parties that like, go on all night? I feel like they must get pretty boring. I feel like people might fall asleep. It must be just like a frat party for grown-ups and rich people. Yeah, it could be. And, and if so, I guess why wait until he drops her off to give her a kiss? Why not at the party while well, it's getting wild? Yeah, I mean, he's got a big enough house. You would think. And we know the food is cold. It's not like they're going to be eating good all, all night. It's true. It's like, okay, hey, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Have a ham and cheese. Mm-hmm. Have some salad. Yep. That's the bottom line. <laughs> just imagine having a party with just salad as the only thing that's lying around because it's cold. Um, and they they also don't... One thing that this show, and I think that a lot of heist television, especially period pieces, are they like drunk out of their minds? Have they been partying all night? I mean, we've or seen Larry drunk. sitting around? We, we see drunk. We've seen Larry drunk. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I don't think they're that drunk this time. I, I don't know. Yeah. But they go back... He, crawl, he walks her across the street, and this is where he officially says out loud, you're not getting married to that guy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope. And, and he's like, that's my kind of woman. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm slightly used. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Either married or close to married, but not single. I, that, that's where I am. Uh, and mm-hmm. Dave, can you grade this kiss between the two of them? I think it's a pretty good one. You think, I think it's, it's good a one. decent I think it's a decent kiss from two naive people. Listeners, I need your hot takes on this kiss between uh Marion and Larry, because she gives him all teeth. She's like half smiling as he goes in and she's getting you, you Well, I mean maybe maybe she's overwhelmed. I, I thought I was in uh, emotionally invested in this kiss to the point where I was like happy it happened. Someone somewhere had to do some work to remove the sound of their teeth clattering into each other. She's given all teeth. Well, that's that what kiss. Julian. That's what Julian and HBO are here to do. <laughs> that's what the no clinking goes and to. clattering. <laughs> it was just so 
I, I don't know. It, it wasn't quite as passionate as one would expect. It was very awkward. Um, mm-hmm. Especially for a guy who sowed his oats by now. You'd think he'd be a little bit more smooth uh, with getting it right with her. But Oh, yeah. And this is, I mean, here's the question I have. Mm-hmm. Larry has never gotten properly gotten over Susan Blaine. Yeah. So does that mean Marion is the rebound of sorts for him from his 40-year-old mistress? A thousand percent. <laughs> unless, That's not good. Unless it was Miss Roebling. Might be three strikes. It. it could be. It could be. But I want Miss Roebling to come back, who made the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> I want. I want oh, us to yeah, see of course, of course. Between with, them. with her, with her husband in a wheelchair, turned the other way. <laughs> or, or we just go further the other direction. Have Miss Roebling pair off with uh, T. Thomas Fortune and just say they became a couple. <laughs> but yeah, Oscar Wilde's there too. <laughs> yeah, he's cheering them on. Um. But yeah, that's. I mean, this is where the Trotter opens the door, mm-hmm. and we get the conversation about Larry wanting to go into business with Trotter. Yep, and and that's it for them. That's uh, it for them. I'd love it if Trotter became now, part of the, their function. Just add him, introduce him into the, the two of them. Well, I mean, if the alarm <laughs> clock is successful, then Trotter is going to be. You're gonna be like the he, best. You know, man. this is going to be a Tom Branson cousin Matthew situation. That would be the dumbest thing. Just Trotter walking around the Russell house like everyone just I mean, respects him. If he makes money, it is going to be that. I, yeah. <laughs> we'll see where that goes. Um, so we have the opera and then we have the resolution of the Agnes. Um, let's talk Let's talk the Van Ryan fortune first. Okay. Because this episode starts with a really nice... <laughs> Um, well, not it doesn't start with it starts with Bertha, but mm-hmm. the first time we see the Van Rines is Oscar and Oscar, Marion, Ada, Agnes, and a lawyer of sorts, basically just telling everybody they're screwed. And Agnes is cutting into Oscar here, calling him, basically saying he's an idiot. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you he ruined everything, <laughs> um, and. The way they're going to go forward is that they're going to have to sell the house. That's the only way to make mm-hmm. enough money to then continue to live out the rest of their life. Not ideal, but just enough. Uh, and Oscar's in the doghouse. He's like, I got dinner invitation the opening night of the Academy. And she says, you ain't going to that. You're coming to the Academy with yeah, me, he's like, you're, you're mine now, boy. <laughs> you, you belong to me. And she just snaps the leash on him. Like, come on. Kick it. Let's go. And... Yeah, you can see Agnes is. She feels like she's been knocked down a peg, and so that comes down on Oscar throughout this. And Oscar, he's, yeah, man, he, he's he's a mess. And, and he's he doesn't have much to do this week. He just kind of is. Yep. He's wallowing in his his failures. He's not going anywhere. And again, why did this guy think he could just gamble away the entire family fortune and it would be fine, even regardless of whatever the investment was? Like, come on, dude. But, not here. Not in this house. Yeah. But this is very good. Julian uh, putting a bow on the season. That there was a reason mm-hmm. why Forte came into the picture. You may even say it was uh, heaven sent. Yeah, you're saying it. He left behind something for Ada. They happened to find a letter, uh, a will, that he wanted to leave all his fortune to, to her. I guess his father uh, was a tradesman who made all kinds of money to be left behind and he left it all to Ada 
Yeah, well, this is, I think this is a really good, well-told little bit, uh, because the reverend, as a, a clergyman, has to live modestly. But being a man of God, he did mm-hmm. not want to close down this business because he saw how many people relied on it. So he left it open, but was not allowed to touch any of the money being made, which is why everyone was clueless about it, which I think is the Julian Gray area that they probably would have talked about it at Niagara Falls on their honeymoon. <laughs> but Maybe. Great reveal. Yeah, textiles, and, man. The savior. Mm-hmm. And so... That's like English game, the shirt makers. Like, he, Julian loves textiles. He really is. He is a big fan of that industry. So the reveal is that Yes, they have the money to save the house. And uh, Bannister says, well, was it? Uh, Agnes says, tell everyone that their jobs are saved. Everything's going to be okay. And he says, Ada, is that how you wish? Bull. <laughs> you ain't the and boss you see of Agnes's me anymore. Face. <laughs> and then she says, it's still my house, but Ada's paying them. Yep. She she's the one that they have to answer to. You, Agnes is bowled over. Christine Bransky is she's oh she's so good in this moment of just being like, oh no, <laughs> this is yep. humiliating. Uh, but it almost feels like just dessert for the way she carried herself around Ada, and the way she kind of treats people. It's kind of nice that the shoe is suddenly on the other foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and you almost wonder too, will there be something that uh. Does the power ever shift back to Agnes? Does it ever go back to her? Or is it now forever? Does Ada's the one wearing the pants in the house? Well, I don't think Ada's ever going to wear the pants. I think the way that okay. I think there just becomes more of a mutual respect. Yeah, even even grounds, even level. That Agnes just can't. You know, she can run her mouth the way she wants, but she always has to just keep herself in check. Yeah. And Ada might be the one on these committees. Ada might be the one doing all this stuff, not Agnes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, things are going to be a little bit different. Does Ada show yeah, great hammer? Yeah, does great she show, hammer. Oh I loved it. God, yeah, that was perfect ending to the season because like you know, you're just worried that well they're going to be broke forever, and it's like oh no, oh no, and then it's just that little twinkle in the eye of like oh no, no, no. You thought it was going one way, but we had a you know mm-hmm. Deus Ex Machina waiting for us, and yeah, you just wonder will she give money to Oscar to invest again? Because you know Ada's kinder like that. I don't think to invest. I would love if she gave him money to go find Maud Beaton. Oh, yeah. Track him down. Track I her mean, down. If, Arrest if her. we get season three, Oscar's plot has to be finding Maud Beaton. That just has to be it. She has to come back into it somehow. Uh, because we can't spend another season with, with Oscar trying to find a beard. Like, it, it you can't do it. Yeah, it's going to be something with John Adams again next season. And... Have the two of them team know. up so you can have them going around the country trying to find Maude Beaton. It's like Sherlock Holmes. Like in, yeah, but they're you know they're two gay bachelors that that are traveling trying to uncover a mystery, but they're also basically a couple. That'd it writes hard. itself. Yeah, it's a spinoff. Uh, Do it. I'm in. I'll, I'll sign. I'll sign off on it right now. I'll I put mean, it right on our Patreon. Yeah, honestly, at this point, The Gilded Age was the number, is the number one show on HBO Max or Max, whatever you want to call it. Just make an expanded universe of the Gilded Age. Just keep spinning them off, because like there's no there's nothing else on HBO right now. I was looking at what's the top thing mm-hmm. streaming. The top movie is Barbie that came out on Friday. Number two is the Scorch Trials, the second movie in the Maze Runner series from 2014 huh? that didn't do well. Elf wasn't even number two. No, <laughs> number three was Jurassic World. And it's like yeah, you have Elf streaming. Like they need the content. 
so just make as many Gilded Age stuff as much as you can. Just make it all. Yeah. Anyway, well, let's get to the big, the main event, the main event of the season mm-hmm. of this six-week season, or clearly not, but yeah, it's the it's opera season, it's opera time, it's opening night. And at the top of the episode, Bertha receives a letter and is very upset. Mm-hmm. The the Duke isn't attending. He's uh he's going no. to the the academy. Yeah. And there's a pre-opening uh, meeting that Mr. Gilbert is hosting to get people excited for uh, the Met. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, they kind of create the storyline for Aurora Fane that I guess has been there throughout the season. But it's like, oh, so you're going to support the Met, aren't you? And she's like, not yet decided, but I think so. And it's like, was this ever really a thing we were concerned about? <laughs> Did I miss that? Well, I think that the... And we see it with Fish. We see it with a lot of people. Sure. That they like Bertha, but they don't want to ruffle feathers. Of course. The younger people. Yeah. But I was shocked to see Miss Fane there because it's like, she's a Van Ryan or on the Van Ryan side of the fence. Like, what? What? (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I think that's why she's torn. Right. But it's just like, for a character we've said this season hasn't had a role beyond just uh, overseeing Oscar's relationship. I mean, she showed up at these parties, but maybe just vocalize it for a second. Like, what's going on, Fane, with this uh, this academy thing? And yeah, where it, do you stand? Do, do, do you, why do you care? <laughs> um, at least with Mammy Fish, we know what's going on. She just wants to see the drama. she's such a loudmouth. Absolutely. She wants to be where the party's at. We but, do see a nice little scene earlier where they call in, they call in the Two-Face. Mm-hmm. Bertha calls and she says, "Ward McAllister, you get get your little southern butt here." Well, well, that's the thing is like at this party with Mr. Gilbert, he's telling people that the Duke is showing up, and Bertha's saying, "Why are you telling people this? This is not a guarantee." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Well, we got to get hush pe- hush information, sir." Yeah, no, we got to get people excited, and she's just like, I, I "Get that Ward McAllister in here. Get his buns on the seat." And he comes in, and he's like, "He's like, I had to do what I had to do." Nathan Lane is really hamming it up this episode with his southern accent. He, oh, he's loving it. He's loving life in his fake mustache and his little goatee. Right, because he's taking the moment to t- put Bertha in her place saying, like, you played the game on both sides, but, you know, you got to play the game to win. I, I don't know what to do, but I got to side with Astra because she's my long-standing buddy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> Bertha's like, how much? tell me how much he costs. He's like, well, I can't tell you that. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, and Ward's like the sides have been drawn. I will be where I will be, and <laughs> I don't know. I, I really thought Bertha was going to be like, "You're done. You're dead to me." Yeah, I don't want to see your little sassy face again, Ward McAllister. You are TOS if I see you at the the Met. Mm-hmm. She she's at, for someone that is constantly like breaking social rules. She has a ton of restraint for certain things. And I think Ward McAllister is like, has her number, basically. I think part of it, too, is like, you just take a step back. I know we're very much wrapped up in this opera drama, but she has to keep some kind of relationship with Astor because this is not the only thing that is going on mm-hmm. in that world. So McAllister lives to see another day. We'll see. So far. Yeah. But, uh, 
the thing that Bertha figures out is that the Duke is in a difficult position. She's like, okay, there's a reason why the Academy won him over. He obviously needs some finances or something. This is why he keeps coming back to America and traveling all around. Things are drying up back at home. That's got to be part of the reason why he's doing this. Mm-hmm. Like Down Abbey. Yep. And so what is it? The, uh, they want her to... Well, where well, my notes are so confusing. No, you, basically we see no, McAllister's. No, wait one second. The McAllister thing. He says you will accept a box at the academy. <laughs> Yo, yeah, he tries to flex. Yeah, he he plays the law down. He he says I've been at this game longer than you, and she'll not have that box at the academy. <laughs> She's like, why don't you go go kick some rocks in the street, Ward? Go have. Where's Ward's house like? That's what I want to see. He lives in like a chicken coop. He lives coop. in some. Yeah, I mean, what if he does? With his roosters. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't, like, live with Aster. No. He's got to live somewhere. He's like the pool boy at our house, maybe. Maybe. He's just a little messenger boy running around causing trouble. Mm-hmm. But where were we? Um, George is like, stop this. You yeah. didn't get the Duke. Enough is enough. And, and Bertha's like, you, I don't tell you how to do business. Let me get the Duke. George is saying, we spent enough on this whole thing. Like, you got to figure out a different way because... Because cause Bertha doesn't know that George basically saved the Met. Yeah. So George is like, Come, I don't want to tell you how much we put into this dang opera. Mm-hmm. And by the you way... You think I'm Oscar Van Ryan over here burning money on useless stuff. Zero reference to the, the strikes this episode because, you know, that six-month... Uh, it's all... Yeah, you got six months. <laughs> we'll get to that next time. Um... But yeah, maybe Fish, we see she wants to know where to go. She reads even the sun to find out uh, what's going on. And they say, you read the sun. She's like, I got to know who's getting divorced in town. Come on now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm Amy Fish. Uh, and so, yeah, we get to the opera. Everyone's getting ready for it. No, no, no. We're skipping over the scene where Bertha goes to the hotel room. Mm. She goes to see the Duke and the Duke is like, hey, sorry, sorry, lady. I was put in a position. I was given an offer I couldn't refuse. And Bertha's like, let's talk. I got better And then we cut to fade to black. And And just to rewind for a second, too. We see earlier in this episode, Gladys is talking to a Billy Carlton. He's a a potential suitor who was in the other episode, I think, um, at like the Dashiell's Garden Party and stuff. And he's like, can I visit your box? And she's like, hell yeah, brother. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah yeah you can let me ask my mom it's my mom's <laughs> box actually oh i didn't realize that's how it went he's like oh, okay she's pretty cool yeah uh so she's all dolled up for that she's wearing purple and larry's like where's my grubby sister and uh oh that, that, that's a really rough line read from uh from harry richardson i was like oh my goodness this is so dumb yeah, why why is she a grubby sister? I mean, the two of them are looking great. If you want sure. to talk about, we need to spend more time on the fashion of this episode. Bertha yeah. comes down looking like like a super saiyan with these <laughs> shoulders being out. She looks like Vegeta Hair coming down the stairs. Blonde. You, yeah, you, you say there's nothing that's gonna you know. Gladys is just gonna be part two, but then Gladys, you see the back of her dress; it's like flowing. Mm-hmm. Very nice look. You know, they both look very majestic. And and what is it? Bertha says she's just admiring her handiwork. She is very pleased with herself in the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we get to the opera, and we see uh, Miss uh, Winterton there, formerly Miss Turner. 
and Mr. Uh, Gilbert is leading them there, and she's like, why are we going so far? And he says, well, as you as we promised you, here's uh, the prime seats, the, the first row of the, here's mm-hmm. your box. And she's like, this isn't center. And he's like, this is what we got you. <laughs> Bye. And she she's ready. She's like, I want to leave. I want to go to the, want to go to the the other one. Mm-hmm. And and the husband is finally like, dude, shut up, lady. Like, take what you're given. This is great. Who yeah. cares? Well, he's he's saying take the L. We can yeah. figure out something later. Um, and that's pretty much what we get on Miss Winterton. It, it's a strange thing though, because again, there was an episode this season that ended with her saying, "I will get my revenge," and she completely failed to do that this year. When will Miss Winterton get her revenge, or will she be like a Rita Repulsa on the Power Rangers who keeps trying to do something and, and can never get it done? Back and <laughs> yeah. getting thwarted. Yep. There's also there's a great moment where where they're they're asking like Bertha Bertha's talking to George and it's like, well, they see Winterton in her box and it's like, oh, look at over there, isn't that whatever happened with her? And Bertha's like, oh yeah, I wrote to I wrote to Aster about her. That was me. That was me all along. <laughs> yeah. And. I was so wrapped up in that moment that I was like, oh my God, Bertha. We thought she'd take the high road. Nope. No. She she went so nope. low. Because uh, she don't care. She, I mean, it's fair. Winterton had no business being in that man's bed, so she was going to get even. Uh, mm-hmm. Winterton just didn't know who she was playing with. Uh, but this, And this whole opera sequence. So we see Aster and Agnes mm-hmm. and Oscars with them. And we see like the duality where we see like they're walking in and the colors and then you start to see like they show the floor of the Met and it's like bustling. Yep. And then they show the floor of the Academy and it's really not. It's dead. And Oscar even comments like um, the back. People are leaving. (laughs) Yeah, because there's not enough people there. And and Oscar says was the society of uh, is broken here. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it's like. Bro, you ain't one to comment on this. <laughs> the, the it's not the broken yeah, back. You're society. broke, boy. You, you broke your back, okay, bro. Um, and yeah, it's it's bustling at the Met. We see Billy Carlton gets to his box, and Gladys says, "Oh, can we invite him into my box?" And they're like, "No, no, no, not." Bro's like, "Hell no, <laughs> no, keep that Billy over there." Uh, but everyone is still waiting with bated breath to see where the Duke will show up, and Aster is convinced that he has to show up. She made the ultimate offer. How could he turn her down? Mm-hmm. And Ward is there, like, sweating. Yep. Mamie walks in, and she says, this is what you're working with? I don't care what's going on with the Duke or not. I'm getting out of here because you ain't winning. This is not the place to be for Mamie. Mm-hmm. And she just she makes it just... Like, how far away is the Met from the Academy? It's like a block. Yeah. I mean, well, she said she had to leave early to make sure she got there in time for the other show. So yeah, she gets there just stuff. in time. Um. Mamie Fish, the best uh, real person on the show. You know, real historical character, I'd say. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Mamie Fish shows up in time, and then the Duke, he walks in. Well, they do this thing where it's like, he'll be here, and they show him lacing his boots like it's Batman or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Putting his drawers on. And... uh yeah, he, he does show up, though, and he takes his seat. He shows up at the Met. He takes his seat right next to Gladys, and we know exactly what that means. People going nuts. Yeah. Gladys is not aware at all what uh, Bertha has done to get him to, to show up there. Neither is George. George is a little alarmed. He's like, 
What mm-hmm. did you do to get him here? Bertha says, shh. George is going to be rip. <laughs> uh, on oh, he's not going to be happy. Bertha next year. Oh, my gosh. I, I That's why we need another season. We need to see what that explosive fight is because, as we recall, George promised Gladys that she would choose who she get to be with, even if it is mm-hmm. little Billy Carlton in his own little box over there. Could suit her, too. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, that's the only reference we get to the strike is she's like, I don't tell you what to do in Pittsburgh, George. Mm. And he's like, what if I came back with a gunshot? You would probably tell me to stop going to Pittsburgh. That Yeah. Don't affect my family, lady. Yep. I do like that. Uh, I do like the Astor says this is what defeat feels like. You can see she feels it like, oh, she's never had to go through this much of a uh, loss of face before. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's rough. It, it, that's not, that's like a... a beat down yeah it's a total knockout bertha and it's funny because so many of the previews tease like maybe bertha won't actually get her way this year this will be the year that she has a setback but this is two and oh for bertha over aster mm-hmm. in these seasons i i thought that well i mean we obviously the met is real right. so i think that and the met is hyper relevant in pop culture today and this is not to so be clear, this think, is the not the same Met that it stands today. They tore that one down that they're in currently and rebuilt it. Yeah, but the institution of the Met, sure. they're not gonna like bring it into their show and then, you know, make Have a mockery lose. of it. And right. this, but it is a ooh, it's a um dist- utter destruction of, of Aster here. hmm I mean, they really do make the Academy look dismal of a place to be. Oh yeah. Looks terrible. Yep. And you'll not find me there. You'll find us at the Met. Nope. We're at the Met. We're Team Met. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm an Upper West Sider too. So I just, you know, that's where my loyalty is. Uh, so fantastic finale. I think we covered everything. Dave. Oh, amazing. Best the, episode of the show so far, I think. Just I, like covered I, all the bases. Yeah. I, I know we get critical of a lot of stuff, but like it really did have everything in it the big and the small and everything in between. I. Just a, really, the button on top was the whole Ada <laughs> getting it. With the uh, money? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's just great. At least they said it, because I, part of me was thinking, like, I kept everybody up for a reason, and we'll mm-hmm. find out next season. And it, it's one of those things, too, where, like, when Julian starts feeding you good stuff, he doesn't stop. It's like, well, here's Borden and uh, Bruce together and having Bruce. a good time. Uh, here's uh, Marion getting the smooch, even if she can't hide her teeth during it. Here's, uh, you know, Watson saying goodbye to y'all forever. Uh, oh, that's that's Julian being very happy with himself. He's like, let's get rid of this loser. Yeah, great finale. But we great. have power rankings. Dave. Yes, we do. Lead it off. Well, number three going down is Agnes for me. Okay. Because she doesn't totally lose. Her family is saved. Mm-hmm. But... She loses her power. She is no longer the breadwinner. She is no longer number one. And also, she backed the wrong horse. She's at the academy, mm-hmm. right next to to Aster. And and someone she has, lost. I was thinking this is just her going down with the ship, Agnes. And like you'd like to think, like maybe there's some silver lining here. Where Agnes will show um, loyalty to, or no, um, Aster will show loyalty to Agnes for sticking with the ship. You know. To turn it all around, but yeah, Agnes is just uh, going down there. But I had a yeah. diff- I did have a different horse at number three. I had Gladys at number three going down. She doesn't realize oh, the deep doo doo she's, she's in. She don't know what's going to happen to her. 
it, she's got her hopes up for this Billy boy, but it's going to be a Duke that's doing it. So yeah, tough to be Gladys right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, number two, a little controversial, but I think this episode, considering what it has, there's a lot of moving parts, and I think we've said it all season. Number two is Peggy. She's got to quit her job. Oh, okay. At, at the, you know, I think this kind of this this episode encompasses how like she has lost her ability to be the, steering her own ship, mm-hmm. and she basically owns it. Where. You know, this whole collective helps save these schools, and Peggy's a part of that, and that's great. But, like, this is all with T. Thomas Fortune. And sure. this guy is oblivious to the fact that it is a very inconvenient and a very unprofessional work relationship that they have. And she's got to give it up. Not to mention she spends most of the episode thinking that she doesn't have a future with the Van Rynes. So she's staring down on unemployment or working at the pharmacy and working on her novel. So I think... She, I've, said, I've been saying it all season. Justice for Peggy. This doesn't know, end well for her. She I think a, it's hopeful. She, she got a big W for the schools. She's, she played a big part in that. Her that dad was, did. Well, sure. He helped out. Yeah. It was a family. So I, I just feel like this, as a culmination of a season for Peggy, I'm not excited. You know, we well, got to redeem Peggy. The one we got to call up Sonia Warfield and say, better Peggy next year. That, that, yeah, we can do better with her in plotting. But someone taking a bigger w, L rather uh, than her this week, Dashiell. This guy gets shown the door. Like, sorry, brother. Yay, Marion, Marion. He doesn't seem to care. <laughs> I don't think it really dawns on him yet that this is like, nah, dude. He's just kind of, uh, he, he is taken aback. Um, but he's I, not, me. I, the thing is, what I wanted from, and I guess we we said like, it didn't end the way I wanted to because I thought we would see that he's mean. Yeah. Or he's dismissive. And he just doesn't... He seems oblivious, but then as soon as Marion is like, we're not going to work, he's like, oh, yeah. okay. I mean, I do feel for him, though, because we do learn that like he really is still hung up on his ex-wife, and she's just not there. So this poor yeah. guy is just going to be all alone with his daughter again. So it's just like, man, sorry, Dashiell. You barked up the wrong tree. You played yourself. I, I mean, I, I got to agree. I, he had a bad week. I just think that he seems... Totally unaffected by it as he's walking out that door. Okay. Need a little humility, my friend. Mm-hmm. Well, who's number one, Dave? Going down. You know, I, I could have gone one way, could have gone two ways. I decided to lump them together. Ward McAllister's been running away from his responsibility. <laughs> yep. But he's he's anchored to the wrong ship with Miss Astor. So I got Astor and Ward McAllister I have the tied same, for the I biggest have the same losers. Two tied for going down. Because he McCall- tells her, "You will have a box at the academy. Yeah. You will kiss my feet." I, I really thought he was going to put the thumb down on her. You thought he was like, going to stick his feet out. Ma- I thought, I thought he was going to basically tell her, "I'm your boss," and she was going to be like, "Yes, sir," but no, no, no. No, Bertha was no, never no, going to no, say, no, say to McAllister, "Like, yeah, okay, I, I, I bow to you." Um, but yeah, Miss Astor, like I was just saying, she feels defeat for the first time, even more than last year where she was defeated. So, two years not, in a row. She's pummeled in six feet deep. She does not need... We don't need to see her on this show again. Yeah, it's like she doesn't even realize it, but the game is over for her and her kind of people. They ain't... Oh, yeah. Back. As Oscar pointed that out, too, he's like, this is done. You're irrelevant. Yep. <laughs> and Ward Ward better have some, some uh, payments for the Piper. 
next season. He's going to have to do a lot of wiggling to get out of the position he's in. He's going to he's going to be Watson. He's going to have to take a job downstairs. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Well, who you got going up, Corey? At number 3, I got Marion. Okay. She really speaks for herself for the first time, I think finally in terms of just being like I'm sorry, Dash, this ain't happening, man. I can't. <laughs> like I love painting poorly. Yeah, I love to teach. I want to teach with these Irish teachers and these black teachers in these schools over here. So it really is a show of like her asserting herself. Whereas I think last year with Rakes, she got out by the skin of her teeth because people were letting her know what was up. This year, she actually is a bit more active in getting out of her, her situation, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's good growth for her. And then she's out all night with Larry and... They have, I, I don't want to say smooch because there wasn't much smooch and they have a, a teeth clattering. A clank. They have a clank. Yeah. Yeah. So number three for Mary. Well, similarly, I got Larry at number three. Okay. This guy's been playing his cards right this whole time. He invited her to the opera. Mm-hmm. He gives good, honest advice to Trotter. He keeps her up all night, yeah. partying, having a good time, makes the move when it's appropriate. Granted, I don't know if he's over Blaine. Mm-hmm. And then he's mid-smooch, Trotter opens the door, and he immediately pivots and saying, Trotter, I got you. I want to make money with you for 20% of the company and a 14% royalty on every clock. So, you know, he Mr. Wonderful them. That is true. Larry does play an effective hand this episode. Um, But the Russell that I have on my list is at number two, and it's Bertha. She's she's got the uh, opera opening. Uh, with full house and the Duke in hand, she plays the ultimate trump card of a lady for the Duke. She gets W. She got one over on Aster. She gives she gives Robert a Cora, you know, food yeah. and doubt in terms. So I mean, the whole season's been building to this. So good on Bertha. Well, I feel like one and two can be you know pick what you want. Mm-hmm. My number two is Ada. Well, she's my number one. Well, Bertha's my number one. <laughs> well, make your case for why Ada's number two. Because she's still in mourning. <laughs> it's crazy what a little bit of money can do to help with that, though. Well, she, I think that Ada, this is great for Ada. This is great for the Van Ryan family on the whole. And this is great implications going forward. Mm-hmm. But I think sheer facts, we spent the majority of this episode with her doing nothing. And the Reverend saved her this time, you know. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's fantastic, but I think Bertha gets the W here because Bertha, this is Bertha's whole season. Sure. This is this is like the main event of WrestleMania. Like, you know, people can say, you know, for, for the wrestling nerds that the best of all time, you know, is Macho Man and Ricky Steamboat. That's Ada. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant is Bertha. Okay. So I think it's it, it, they're two great things. That Ada offer put a different... smile on my face. I, I was genuinely happy for her. Uh, and also, I, would, I mean, the Bertha reveal was very well done, very cool. Yeah, the, the the difference though is Bertha, she's been in a passive aggressive like you know thing with with uh, Aster all season. Although they can call the war, they, they haven't really been at each other's throats. Agnes put Ada down for many years that we may not even seen, not even respected her. This is a total reversal of her life and fortunes and everything. So like for her. This means so much more than what it's going to mean for Bertha, I, th- I think. Um, I, I think that both both tie... The, the problem with this as as a one and two in power rankings mm-hmm. is so much of it is contingent upon next season. Yeah. 
Now, does Ada get the rectory? Because that could be important. I don't think you get a rectory. You don't own a rectory. <laughs> you get placed in a rectory. So, so the priest is there now, and he's probably just like, why does this rectory smell so much in the bedroom? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, they're not... We, you said it. We, I don't... What do I know? What do I know? Uh, so that's this season of the Gilded Age. Hopefully there's a season three. We'll be here for it. Hopefully. It better be. We need it. I mean, what? Like you keep saying, HBO needs stuff to put on these dead months. Yeah. They keep doing all these weird tax write-off stuff. Stop it. And it's a weird thing where they seem to tease that this was like, could be like a serious finale if they don't get picked up. And I was trying to do the like thoughts in my head of like, okay, is this satisfactory enough? And it's just like, not really. No, no. no. You tease this whole thing with Gladys. Uh, you tease this whole thing with Ada taking over. It's just like, it's not enough. You got to follow through a little bit. Yeah. Not to mention Trotter, like Trotter, Larry, we mm-hmm. can't, you don't ship Gladys and, or not Gladys, Larry and Marion on a kiss. That's not it. No clatter, no tooth clatter. Right. We and, need more. And it's gotta be Julian style to send them out on like a, a movie or elongated episode. than like, <laughs> than this, if they're going to wrap it then up. Then a 58 minute episode, then a Such regular a old. Oh Yeah. And it's fine that it's short. I like that it's not overly long, but mm-hmm. this ain't it. Yeah. By the way, Ada in this episode wearing black. Fantastic use of, I mean, because obviously she's morning, but fantastic dresses, even even for a morning person. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, have you been watching anything else? I watched a handful of Christmas movies. Okay. I've been I covered trying to look the for, gamut. I've been trying to look for some, but all the ones I want to watch are just not on streaming. And it's like, I'm not paying for that right now. So I watched the 2018 Grinch, which I had never seen. Okay. Which is bad. Okay. I think for certain, for some reason, millennials think the Jim Carrey one is good. I think that movie's disgusting. I think that's an abomination. Christine Baranski's in that. Hold your tongue. <laughs> I don't care, Christine. Okay. You can come at. You did. <laughs> no, I. Agree. Here, I just. I, I gave two months of my life to your show this year, so. Okay. I owe you nothing, Christine Baranski. I think it's bad. Yeah. And this this one's Illumination, who do the Minions, who do Secret Life of Pets, who did Mario. Mm-hmm. It's colorful, but it's bad. So I watched that one. Mm-hmm. Then I watched one from 1940 called The Shop Around the Corner, which is the loose basis of You've Got Mail. Oh, okay. My mom didn't and like got, that movie, so I'd never seen it. You've Got Mail? I've never seen it either. Oh, but okay. This is a Christmas movie with Jimmy Stewart. And it's uh, uh, it's no wonderful life, but it's good. It's mm-hmm. you know I, you I feel like you appreciate old movies. Yeah, I like Jimmy more Stewart. than. Yeah, he's very good. He plays a salesman. Very good. <laughs> I'm a salesman. Oh, then to right I now. followed that up. I followed Shop Around the Corner up, which I would recommend. Okay. With Gremlins, which mm-hmm. always great. Yeah. Evergreen movie. Then I rounded it out with the Lifetime movie called. The Spirit of Christmas, where a woman, a lawyer from Boston, has to come to terms with the fact that there's a, a ghost in a house, and she can't sell this house until the ghost is taken care of. What, what does that involve? Does she actually end up with the ghost? You, you have to watch the okay. movie to find out. <laughs> All right. Not rolling it out. Okay. Well. But that one, I've, I've never been one to watch the like, corny, bad Christmas movies, and that was like... Found a list of the weirdest ones, mm-hmm. and that was on every list. So okay. had to watch it. 
All right. And it was fun. I had a good time. Stupid. Good to know. What about you, Corey? Watching anything? Well, my favorite dating show on Netflix is back. That's not in America. It's Singles Inferno. <laughs> Season three. We're back. Uh, Season three? Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, they just recently released a list of the most watched shows on Netflix, uh, like in the first six months of the year. And it, it's up there, man. It's one of the shows that people watch. Uh, it's a bunch of really, really attractive people on an island where they just have to put it out there and ask each other out on dates. And then if they don't match with each other to go on a date, then they don't go on the date with each other. It's really dumb. Uh, and, and But so, much, right. so much of the thrill is just how people operate just um, uh, just manners. How to, how to politely turn people down, how to kind of keep their options open, but not in like a reckless mm-hmm. way like we see in the perfect match where it's just like, I'm just here for anything. They're, they're very mindful of how each other feel. This season feels a little bit more geared towards influencers appearing on the show, which is never ideal in terms of having a good reality show. No. But nope. I, I love the show, man. I'm, I, it's, a, it's my favorite wintertime, just brain on the shelf programming. Uh, All right. Yeah. Recommend it. <laughs> but no Christmas stuff for me. I've, I've been looking for something Christmassy to watch, but nothing's really shouted out at me. Well, for people in our Patreon, we've got a Christmas thing that we're revisiting for the third or fourth time this year. Enough times. Yeah. Enough times that I think that uh, it's, it's never not surprisingly interesting. The Rob James Collier, Tom Barrow from Downton Abbey, mm-hmm. is the antagonist in this fundraising film made by students called a christmas star which is one of the strangest christmas movies and for those curious we've reviewed it more than once and this year we will be doing a live watch along that we will record yeah so all of our patreon members will have the audio for it so they can play along with us but if you really feel fun you got nothing going on this weekend we're gonna live stream our watch along so you can watch us watch it in our Facebook group. So if you've ever wanted an incentive to get some free content, or not free content, some bonus content from us, downstairs tier are going to get to watch along with us if they want from Facebook. Yeah. And we'll have fun with that. But mm-hmm. we will be discussing the Gilded Age season two uh, in whole after we talk about Wonka next week in the week after. The, so early next year, I guess, is when we'll be talking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, but yeah, just one more from the top rope on all of Gilded Age 2 before we wrap it up and then move on to the yep. next season of Belgravia. Uh, but until then, you know where to find us. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, uh, gmail.com, lordsgrantham at gmail.com. Leave us five-star rating review if you so choose on uh, anywhere where you stream us and join our Patreon. You can join us watching uh, <laughs> a Christmas star and you can find our whole our archive of episodes on Podbean and we'll catch you next time on the pod.